dude, stop. Like, we're about to leave. Like, can we just, what are we doing here? He looks at me and says, oh yeah. And then just headbutts me. And he was probably, you know, 12 to 18 inches from me, from my face before he did that. So I had absolutely no time to react or defend myself. And it was just the most outlandish, unwarranted thing ever. Like I was, I was in shock for a good like three to five seconds after it happened. What's up, guys? Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. Before we start, this is a quick announcement to let you guys know that I'm dropping bonus episodes on Auxoro Premium. For less than $5 per month when you sign up for the year, you get a two-hour bonus episode every month of my show, The Aux, that covers exciting and sometimes twisted topics like MK Ultra, the COVID lab leak hypothesis, Tim Dillon, Tom Cruise, the Tuskegee experiment, the obesity epidemic, and more. You also get monthly solo episodes with my takes on drugs, sex, money, creativity, mindfulness, and you have the ability to submit topic suggestions for both of my shows, The Ox and The Oxoro Podcast. Expect three hours of new exclusive podcast content per month, including access to all archived episodes found nowhere else but Oxoro Premium. Visit oxoro.supercast.com to sign up today. This is the best deal in podcasting. Three hours of exclusive podcast content to punch you in the motherfucking mouth every month for less than five bucks. No half-assed episodes here. Go to oxoro.supercast.com to join the premium gang today. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Oxoro Podcast. I am your host, Zach. And today I'm excited to bring you a conversation with one of my best friends. I played with this man. His name is Tyler Beckwith. I played with him at University of Richmond. We played college baseball together for four years, five years, something like that, because I was a super senior. And Every time I get together with Tyler, whether it's a drunk conversation after a night out in college or a talk over the phone, FaceTime, he comes to visit me in Brooklyn, I go down to see him in DC. It's always a fun time and we have meaningful conversations. And I'm fortunate that I have friends like Tyler who I can both have massive amounts of fun with and exciting, uh, get into some exciting situations and also find some meaning out of it because those people are rare. And Tyler's one of those people that gets the fuck after it whenever we go out. And then he's always someone you can learn something from and talk about life. And he's, uh, it, it, it's a, more than a surface level interaction with him always. It, it's always a complex combination of a bunch of different things at different levels. And I'm excited to bring you this conversation today with Tyler. We got into dating, the art of dating, our pickup lines, bullshit. How do you use apps? There's so much confusing shit out there on dating and it all gets jumbled up. It can get stressful to think about. And I spoke to Tyler today about a lot of the approaches to the different aspects of dating. We also got into sex and the approach to sex as well and how to make 
girls comfortable, how to make them come, how to, you know, what uh, Got into all that, all that stuff. All that sexual stuff that can be uncomfortable to talk about. And, you know, I, I would never say that I'm a, a sexual expert or a sexpert, however you want to refer to yourself, whatever the sexual experts are putting in their bio these days, I would never claim to be anything of the sort, but both of us have done well in that department. We are, you know, we're decent looking guys and have some, uh, some good social skills. And, and we've always have talked about the different approaches to how to how to even approach a girl uh you know what what makes great sex what what are the common through lines of great sexual experiences and not just the act itself but making sure all parties involved are having a a good old time and how that leads into a blossoming relationship and and how to incorporate sex as something that is fulfilling and something that goes beyond physical pleasure, but is also emotionally fulfilling. We got into all of it. We also got into a headbutting incident. Tyler got headbutted at a bar. Dude slammed right into his fucking face, which is the definition of a headbutt. And I will leave it at that because he takes the story away at the end. So make sure you do not miss that. And thank you guys uh, for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening to these conversations. None of this would be possible without you. Thank you, Tyler, for sitting down with me on the podcast. And without further ado, please enjoy this two plus hour deep dive with one of my best friends, Tyler Beckwith. Tyler Beckwith, thank you for joining me. It's been a long time coming. Heck yeah, man. Thanks for having me. So for people listening, you probably, you heard me already describe Tyler and my relationship in the intro. We we played baseball together at Richmond. We've gone out together many times. We've had many fun and wild nights. And one of the things that we always get into from a philo- philosophical standpoint is the approach and kind of this awkward game of a guy going up to a girl and trying to win over her attention in a bar, have a conversation, talk to her. And I've always been fascinated with kind of the dynamic of guys and girls going back and forth in a type of bar club setting because it's so not made to have conversations and actually get to know someone. Like if if someone told you, let's build a space for conversations and then the way we're going to do that is blast EDM, pack everyone in like sardines, and then just, just basically like music. You, you can't really hear what anyone's saying. And, and you're trying to like figure each other out and, and guess what the other person's saying because the music's so loud, you can't even hear them. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think about when you're approaching a girl for the first time? Let's say... Um, like when we were out a few weeks ago when you came to New York, what's on your mind? What's kind of your approach when you're going up to a girl that you're interested in? Um, love this question, but I think this should be prefaced with, I think, first of all, the venue, like you just mentioned, right? So, so many factors go into where you're at and 
kind of just the overall audience that's there and the energy. Um, you know, obviously if you're going out with like a big group and trying to get after and whatnot and have a good time, that's much different than if it's just you and your boy, say if like you and I were just going out and, um, with the sole purpose of trying to, you know, pick up chicks and, and figure that out from there, we would, can you move the mic a little bit closer? The one that just won. Oh yeah, there you go. Perfect. We would go somewhere much different than if we were going to, you know, with a group of friends, obviously. Um, but with that, you know, I think there's also so much more that happens before you even go up and talk to a girl. Um, you know, I, like how many times do you um, make eye contact with someone before you want to go up and talk to them? Like a lot of times when I go and talk to a girl, it's because what, we made eye contact. You know what I mean? I feel like it's a it's a like an icebreaker before the icebreaker. Um, yeah. Just just to be able to kind of let the guard down and be that you're aware of each other. Because you can also tell someone just by by looking at someone and seeing their the way they gaze at you. Yeah, it's so it's so much better when you're going by feel. I used to be so in my head and scientific about it, especially back in college. So this is what, 28 now. So seven, eight, nine years ago, as a sophomore, junior, just starting to go out to actual bars with a fake ID and thinking in my head, this girl looked at me three times in the past 30 minutes. So therefore she is, uh, she's now signaling me over. (laughs) She's now, she's now gonna, yeah, she, she wants to fuck me in the bathroom. That that was the, that was the thing. It was three times in 27 minutes or less, never more. She wants to do it in the bathroom three times between 27 and 30 minutes. She wants to do it in the coat room. And then if it was three and 45, call the Uber. You're having the night of your life over the pants hand job. Yeah. Lock it in. Um, but yeah, I, d- I just remember being so in my head about things and looking for signals and I could have made it so much easier for myself if I just read the overall body language and went by the vibe if a girl is into me or not because eye contact is is has so many levels to it. You can make eye contact with someone for a split second and in that eye contact you could you could generate the perception that I'm attracted to you or I'm repulsed by you or I'm indifferent to you or just so many things. And so it can be overwhelming when you're trying to read all those signals. Absolutely. And um, with that, I feel like regardless of, of your experience or confidence, we, we build up this whole, um, perception of like who they're going to be before you go up to them. And, and I think that just snowballs into, to, um, to just you like putting pressure on yourself before you even go up and talk to someone. Like if you were to go up and talk to one of your buddies at a bar or just some random guy about like, um, about anything. Right. So if, if you're at a bar and there's a guy to your right and you're waiting for your drink, um, and you see that he's wearing, like, I'm a big Ravens fan, right? So if this guy's has anything like a Ravens head on, it's like, Oh, yo Ravens, whatever. It's like, that's super casual, but you would like, how many guys would feel comfortable doing like that kind of a introduction to a girl like that? You know what I mean? That doesn't happen, but that is, I feel like the most genuine and authentic way to go about it. Um, yeah, doing it and not having some sort of structure plan in your mind right? and, and not, not having the story you tell yourself get in the way 
of what you then say or do when you're when you're talking to that girl. Um, yeah, I mean, if, yeah, if, it's, I, if it's not I, genuine, it's it's going to be seen. You know, what I mean, that's going to yeah. be completely obvious. And then from there, it's just it's just not going to work out. Yeah, it's 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 so weird how many and it's not just approaching. It's not just approaching women or being in that type of sexual tension situations. It's with a lot of things where I started to notice once I graduated school and, and you start to take a step back, you're, you're definitely spending more time alone with yourself. You're not going out Thursday through Tuesday. Um, I started to think there's so many decisions that I make based off of the story that I tell myself in my head. There's so many, whether, whether it's professional or personal, I tell myself a story of how I think this is going to go. I play it in my head before. And if it didn't go well, then I would not do that thing a lot of times. And I started to realize that I'm just projecting my own stories on other people. And then I'm acting according to the story I've told myself rather than opening up with a genuine observation. Like I, I would always have a some, not a line, because like a line infers that I came into the night with it and right. was going to use it on anyone. It, it, uh, saying I have a, a like a pickup line infers that that line is meant for anyone. But for me, I would always, I would look the girl, look at the girl because all you have to go on is her physical appearance because you know nothing about her or you make a comment about the place that you're in. And then I would... Once I started to feel more confident about myself, I would just make the observation, never really a question, more like an open-ended statement, and then let her respond and go from there. And that's when I started to really get more confident. But before that, it would always be, you know, she, I say this, and then she says that, and then she says that, and then I say this, and then I say this, and she says that, and then she would say something completely different than I was expecting, and I'd just be like, uh, yep. uh, uh. I'm just going to sip this vodka soda like a little bitch. <laughs> exactly. With a straw. <laughs> yeah, with, with two straws. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I, I'm sharing it with another guy. <laughs> we have two straws in a cup. He's talking. We? We're, bo- we're both talking to the same girl. We're, I'm just like, I tag you in. I'm like just like, I fuck tramp. that up. Yeah. <laughs> In the trans soda stuff. While we're while we're on this topic, can we just completely get rid of straws? If we're while we're at the bar, like no no guy has ever looked hot going down to his drink and taking a sip out of a straw. <laughs> it just looks like such a beta move. I don't Dude, even it, know. I, it it ima- imagine I just said the most savage line to you. You're just the most sexy woman I've ever seen <laughs> at a bar. I, I say like, how could a how could a girl as, as sexy as you be alone outside of this bar? And then right after I say that, I just go. Take a slurp. <laughs> she'd be like, and then I, uh, yeah, she'd be like, I'm good. I don't, I don't, uh, I, I, I don't feel like getting pegged tonight or, or something like that. But, um, <laughs> no, I will no, not let's, peg let's you. Just throw, let, let's just throw all the straws in the ocean. That's what I, I think exactly. we should do. Just, just. Just get rid of all of them in an environmentally friendly fashion. Just just feed them all to the turtles. Tie them all together, make a big uh, giant floating island. Yes, that actually, that actually already exists, dude. No, I no. Uh, random uh, uh, off topic. I just saw that someone is putting together an entire mission to fully 
get rid of. I think it's the one of the Pacific swirling plastic like trash things. islands. Yeah, Tra- we have one of the trash islands. I think there's four or five just piling up across the planet. There's one. I forget. I think it's the Pacific where some guy calculated how much trash they have to remove over a thousand or two thousand attempts, something like that. And so they actually started doing it, um, which is cool. No, that that is absolutely needed. Like our our planet is in some serious danger. And how sick of a pickup line would that be if if uh, he sees her straw and he's like, "I just picked up ten thousand of those yesterday." (laughs) so vague she Saving has to ask planet. a question she has to ask a question about it <laughs> so i, just, I have ten thousand of the straws in my trunk and just let, no, looks a, at her <laughs> that's a good point though like having um going back to you know conversations with girls at bars like having a few not like questions up your sleeve or comments but areas of like talking points you know that you can spit out that would trigger a deeper and more broader horizon of questions that they can ask you and then and then from there it becomes you know more genuine and authentic what's up guys this is a quick break in the episode to remind you that if you like this conversation you'll love auxoro premium go to auxoro.supercast.com to gain access to bonus episodes the ability to suggest topics and all premium archives for less than five dollars per month this is the best deal in premium podcasting motherfucker Go to auxoro.supercast.com for three hours of exclusive podcast content per month. We are allergic to half-assed episodes. Go to auxoro.supercast.com today. One of those tricks, I don't even, I guess just statements that I would have if the conversation came to a halt and I thought the person was interesting enough to keep going. It was just me. I was blanking out for whatever reason one of the things I would do was just say, this reminds me of X and pick something like this bar reminds me of that scene from a James Bond film or of my dress ex. reminds me of, yeah, you, you remind me of my ex. This reminds me of my ex. Um, you remind me of my mom. Yeah. You, you, you remind me of my ex that I'm going to never later tonight when I strike out with you. And, but yeah, just having something, some sort of statement, because I always feel like, like in podcasting, for example, it is implied that you're going to have a guest on the show and that questions are going to be asked and you both sign up for it. Whoever it is, the host asks questions. And if they're a good host, they'll also reveal things about themselves to build trust with the guests and then the guests will answer questions. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're navigating a whole conversation, you know, from, from scratch yeah. while also trying to, yeah. And, and sometimes when I, when I'm talking to a girl and I'm asking most of the questions, I would feel almost like I'm interrogating her because I'm, I'm, I'm just probing and I'm not really sharing anything. So I would always try to make the point um to say something and not have it be a question just leave it open and see what she does in response cuz i feel like that's when you figure out if that is a woman that's worth continuing when you make an open ended statement and it's not a question so she can kind of put her own creative spin on it and depending 100%. how she responds you'll be like oh like that's my dark humor or 
I wasn't thinking of that, but that was very creative. And then you respond to that. And so I actually, I've felt that you find out way more about a person in that bar, you know, like kind of uh, stereotypical guy meets girl context in a bar when you make statements and see how the other one responds. Like kind of that this reminds me of or just sharing an experience and hearing that person's response and you just connect because you can't really connect if one person is asking the questions and then the other person is only responding because that connection comes when you both share personal experience. So eventually you need to make statements about yourself uh, confidently in order to draw the other person in. And I always, I respected, I started noticing it. It was probably later in college when I was like, damn, I'm asking a lot of questions and this feels almost like an interrogation. I need to play a game with myself where I, I mm-hmm. do something like I'm going to see how long I can go without asking a question and just make observations or just respond, like kind of almost repeat things that the person says and say it back to them and get them to expand on it. I mean, it totally makes sense. Like when you, when you ask questions that have a finite number of answers, like you're only giving them a small window of opportunity to, to reveal themselves or their personalities. But when you like, like you said, leave them with an open-ended statement, then you're giving them the opportunity to take that and show any side of them, whether that's good or bad. It could also, you know, right then and there, they could shut you out and be like, this is, you know, um, they could respond in a way that makes you realize, oh, she's not in it at all or mm-hmm. not interested. So it's like, in a way, it also is efficient and saves time too because you don't want to be there if, if um, and waste your time. You know what I mean? If it's not working out. So yeah. Absolutely yeah. love that. No, that's a that's a really good point. That I I used to think that I, I used to take rejection much more personally, and then I realized that it's in your best interest. It's in my best interest to share myself to the fullest extent and take more risks because if that girl is not into it then it will save me time and energy and money, which are the three most important things that anyone has on this person right here. The sooner I figure out whether this person is way into me or not into me, or I'm way into her or not into her, the better off we'll both be. So it's actually, it's almost selfish in a way to hold yourself back because you're wasting that other person's time and you might go out on 10 dates with them before you actually share an opinion that is a no, like a deal breaker. You share a value hold that's a deal breaker. Whereas if you shared that in the first 45 minutes of a conversation when it first came up, when you deflected it because you wanted her to like you, th- then you would have both been with other people who one of those people may actually have been for you. Right. No, and then going with that, it's like the more the more genuine you are and true to who you really are that you believe is like you're, you're giving the relationship a better shot at being more compatible. Cause like if you're hiding anything, then it can only, it can only become so deep of a connection if you don't show or talk about or, you know, give about who, uh, who you really are. So it's like that connection is not even going to be available if you don't open up. So mm-hmm. it's true. Like you really just have to, to own yourself and be confident and, and then rejection is just part of it. You know what I mean? And just be thankful. It's less wasted time. So 
Yeah, and it and it transfers over to other things too. I, I feel like the more confident you are when you go out and the more you become desensitized to rejection, the less the, the more you become desensitized to rejection in your personal life, the more you become desensitized to it in your professional life and there's kind of a crossover I've noticed where if if I'll get rejected personally and it carries over to professionally and I'll get rejected professionally and it carries over personally. And it's like, sometimes you play game. Sometimes it's even like a, a game where you just start saying wild shit. And, and, and this is just me. Like I, I'm not speaking for anyone else besides me, but there, there have been times when I would just like, I sense that a girl's really into me and I will say something just, absurd to see if she outlanded yeah like i'm like (laughs) i need this girl she's either in or out based on this statement i'll just make like some absurd comment and sometimes it works out sometimes you get a weird awkward pause and or she leaves and that gives you the information and i started to love those moments more in both aspects of life personally um, and professionally with podcasting, just like sharing an opinion and just being like, this is, this is what I think and pause and let that person respond Yeah, and not trying to, because sometimes I'll fill in the gaps by kind of, uh, by dragging back my opinion. I'll, I'll say something like, or like lighten the blow of what you're about to say. Yeah, we we should we should throw all of the straws into the ocean. That's that's what I think we should do. And then instead of pausing, I'll say, "Well, I mean, like maybe rather than just let, <laughs> Actually, letting it yeah. sit." <laughs> Depends like, if they're I, like, "This is what yeah. I think, motherfucker." Respond, <laughs> dude. No, it's so true though. Like the the more genuine you are, like you just have to be confident with that though. And the biggest thing with that is you will get rejected. So like you cannot take that in a bad way. Um. Because at the end of the day, like you, how many people are there in this world? And it's like, you have, you have your, your people out there that you are more compatible with. You just have to, to be able to figure that out and find it. Do you, do you have a personal, I mean, everyone gets rejected. Obviously I've been, I've been fucking, um, swatted down so many times. Do you have a, a, an experience or story that stands out in particular where you felt some sort of pride in the rejection where you said something outlandish or maybe things weren't working out and you were in the pocket. You're just like this, 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 this. And she was just like, no, and you didn't, you didn't give a fuck. You, you were just like, well, that is put it on the board. I don't give a fuck. I said what I said and you you move on. Do you have an experience like that where you almost took pride in how quickly and uh, passionately you were rejected by someone? I 100% do. But with that, those are those times that not, you try, not that you try to forget it, but like you move on so quickly and it just becomes a, a, a blink of um, of you know, the event that happened that entire night. So it's like, um, I don't know, it kind of goes back to just not caring after that. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah. Honestly, I can't pull anything right now. Probably happened last weekend. Definitely happened last weekend, I would imagine. But um, no, I can't think of anything right now. Something might pop up, but 
Well, um, well, listeners don't know. I actually got rejected by Tyler 17 times before we recorded this podcast. So, so that that's what sticks out to me. I, this has I been a long time 16, coming. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time. I, I, I sent him 16 follow-up emails and the 17th one struck. And, and now, now we're here just shooting the shit, chatting Seven, about life. 17 is the magic number. Yeah, I, I I was trying to fuck and I, I took podcast. Uh, you know, I figured podcast is better than nothing. And, and we uh, that's where we are today. Hell yeah. Um, but no, with going back to being rejected, it's taking that attitude of if it happens and not giving a fuck, you're just going to have so much more fun the rest of the night in general, whether you're with your friends or one buddy or even by yourself, like whatever. That attitude is like just the best, the best way to approach going out and just having a good time and not worrying about what people, you know, what people think about you at the end of the day. So, um, cause you really can't control that. Yeah. So you mentioned that you will have some go to things that you'd say if you feel, if you go, let's say you go blank in a conversation and it's someone you're interested in. You, you mentioned you'll have some things to say that you can generally craft for the specific person in front of you. Like that this reminds me of X. What are some of those things that you might say in a conversation where you feel a little bit frozen and it's someone you're interested in and you, you want to, you want to keep it going? Yeah. Good question. I mean, I don't, I honestly don't feel like I have um, like any of those written in stone that I can just always rely on or go back to. Cause I, I actually I, have a stone. It's like the Ten Commandments in my apartment. Ten Commandments. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> the, the 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 Ten Commandments. The the Ten Lines of Rejection. I just have them etched in my fucking apartment. <laughs> they're they're sitting above my bed. And you say it for bed every like, night. Are you, every girl's like, "Are you Moses?" And I'm just like, "No, that's for this weekend." <laughs> um, <laughs> you say it before each, each night you yeah. go to bed. Did you did you part the Red Sea? Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think if I have any. I mean, I I try to go um, completely scriptless. I don't, I don't I don't think I ever go up to a girl with like a script in mind or like a path I want to go down. But I mean, some of the cliche bullshit ones you can obviously always talk about are like your college. You know what I mean? Like you can always find some sort of connection, and that's what it's all about—just finding some sort of connection you can relate to and crack a few jokes off of and whatnot, and you know. With colleges, that's like the easiest route. Um, I never, ever, ever try to talk about work. I just feel like it's such an eye roll, you know, topic of conversation and like a cop out. Because at the end of the day, like you're not who you are because of your job. You know, like what do you do for fun? Like what do you what do you like to do? You know what I mean? Like the last thing I want to know is like what do you do for work? Like what do you like to do to yeah. earn money? Because it's not really you know, on the deeper level, that's not really who you are. So I hate when people talk about that. Um, and that's unfortunately being here in DC, it's like all it is. And it's very frustrating. DC, you feel like people are more obsessed with work than other areas like New York, LA. I mean, granted, I don't, I don't have, I mean, I don't have contacts of living in other major cities, but I feel like it is the, the presence of that here is, is heavy. Um, and that's just tied to like the, anybody working in government, you know what I mean? It's just everyone is so overly proud of what they do, which is great, you know, hats off, but I did, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't care less about that on a Friday night at midnight. <laughs> like, yeah, let's talk about yeah. something else. The, the only way that that works is if you don't 
have a job title that could be auto-filled on LinkedIn. Like when you type in AC on LinkedIn, automatically an account comes up and knows what you're going <laughs> to pick. Consultant. If you, yeah, if, if you are, if you're a duck farmer, then I'd be like, holy shit, this yes. girl's like, she's a beautiful girl that is a duck farmer. And she, that would lead to a whole conversation. But if she told me that, you know, she's a marketing director, which I do um, when I'm not podcasting or she, you know, she's an accountant or designer that, that so, I've heard those titles so many times and we're kind of bashed in the face with yeah. them professionally that it's, it's a non sequitur. It just, it doesn't lead to anything at all. So I feel like your job has to be super unique for it to be worth bringing up in the first 10, 20 minutes of a conversation. And and sometimes I, I hate myself for bringing it up because I'll, I'll, it's like a panic. Myself. It's like, Oh, what do you yeah, do? What, do, like, you do, oh, what do you What do you do? I'm like, what do you do? And sometimes you'll even feel the energy from the girl. She's like, Oh, he's out of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's done. He's, you know, he, uh, he didn't slip the jab. I, I, I hit yep. him with something and he went to the, the, what do you do? And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good point because people go to bars and clubs and people go out to get fucked up and have a good time. They don't go out to talk about what they do the other, yeah. you know, 70 hours a week. Damn, working that much, huh? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm no I, 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 I would say an average <clears throat> week is probably, you know, like two to five hours. And then sometimes yeah. I run it up to, <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, but se- no, 70 hours. I, I feel like when people, no one ever is honest about the actual numbers of hours they work per week. Yeah. Like it's always so I work, big. If I, if I say I worked 60 hours this week, I probably actually worked for 30 or 40. And then I just bullshitted while I had work up the other 20, 100%. 20 hours. Or um, let's check I, fantasy. Let's yeah. check social media. Anything you check I on mean, the clock can be uh, clocked in for work. It's yeah, common exactly. knowledge. Especially working remotely, dude. It's just it's so easy to to want to get anything else done aside from your work, like laundry or grocery shopping or cleaning. Like, yeah. You'll find me cleaning my apartment like on a, on a Wednesday at 11 a.m. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> Dude, I've, I've become more cleanly and more productive and more cleanly during COVID because I'm in my apartment so much more. So I will, instead of procrastinating where I would scroll on Instagram or just fucking watch a YouTube video, I'm, I'm, more in the vein now of oh let me throw in a podcast and do the dishes for 20 minutes and i'm like i'm not working but i feel productive productive I'm like, I'm, dude, yeah i'm i'm listening to some stand-up comic talk about some girl he fucked last weekend and i'm doing the dishes so it's it's getting hey. something done so Hell yeah dude speaking of uh speaking of comics we went i went to a, a comedy show was that last friday i think yeah i think it was last friday here in DC, and that was the first. Did you time catch the to. bug? Did you catch the bug from New York, dude? I we did. New York Comedy Club. So that was the second show I've ever been to in New York, or just second comedy show in general was when I went to the one with you in New York. Um, I, I, I was at one before that, like maybe a year and a half, two years prior to that, so way before COVID. Um, 
and it was a good experience. But yeah, no, it, it definitely restruck the uh, the appetite to hit comedy shows more often. It was a good time. So they did like a showcase, like six people um, over the span of like an hour and a half, and had had a few guests come on, and um, was really hoping it was going to be Dave Chappelle. The guy, the guy made like a Dave Chappelle joke, and everyone was like freaking out, thinking Chappelle was about to come up, but nope. But it was still a good time. Love him. You remember who was there? Any anyone that uh, I can pull, out. I can probably pull it up real quick on the uh, the World Wide Web. Oh yeah, let's see. But, so um, this was this was in DC, right? Yeah, this was the the DC Improv Club. Actually, it might have been the other one. I, I moved my keyboard off my desk to put, to make room for the uh, microphone. So I'm typing oh, on yeah. my lap now. Dude, it's fine. No, no one can see from the nips below, so Perfect. you could just be rocking a hard cock this whole podcast, like me, and no oh, one be the wiser. To? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna take care of it during the podcast, but I've I've gotten so good at not showing emotions that you won't even be yeah. able to tell. If if you see my camera start shaking, just don't don't worry about it. No, that so you have to start keeping your camera off your desk. So I got a webcam see? that's plugged into another surface just for that reason, so I can masturbate on a podcast and not have people see it shaking. Otherwise it starts to get like in your face. You're the seasoned vet. These are things I don't I don't know yet. Yeah, this is, is going to be like something ten years from now when more people are listening to this podcast and and <laughs> someone someone clips out something and the title is this uh, Zach Grossfeld of Augsboro is the Louis C K of podcasts. <laughs> he just has guests on to masturbate while he asks them deep questions and then he puts it on YouTube and Spotify and Apple and you can go rate him on any one of those five <laughs> stars if you enjoyed it. And leave a comment, sign up for Auxor Premium. That'll be the, that's a long article title, but someone will write it. Bright future. Dude, so they don't have the, um, they're not letting me see the, the previous shows, which is very annoying. That's all right. Well, uh, I, I remember well, one of the, a couple of the names we saw at New York Comedy Club. We could talk about that show. Because that, that show, I realized that the people who bitch about comedy and write bullshit about comedy on Twitter saying you're not allowed to make jokes about this or that definitely aren't going to comedy shows. No, they're watching clips. Not. They're watching 30 second clips clipped out on Twitter or Instagram. And then they're writing articles on Buzzfeed about those clips and trying to cancel comics in that club. There was not a single, like I didn't feel a single moment. And we're in New York, which is a very fucking liberal city. And there were some great jokes made on all sides of the spectrum. And I didn't, th there were definitely moments where people died down a little bit, but no one was like, fuck you. Or, you know, uh, like, and I didn't feel the cancel energy. And granted, it was just one show. But I was thinking about it. I was like, there's some, there's some really, uh, you know, risky jokes that were made and the no no one I didn't feel any sort of pushback from the people there. So people laughed when it was funny and if they didn't, they were like, oh, that's that's not for me. But yeah. No, I mean that's something I think about not all the time, but whenever I go to comedy clubs, it's like these people like where do they have a line? Do they you know what I mean? Do they do they draw a line for their shows? 
And if they do, like how how close do they come to crossing it? Like, do they even give a fuck? Because I don't know. Because in DC, another very politically charged city that's that's pretty li- liberal. They're um, at the show last week. This this guy went on like a two minute spiel about this Bernie joke, and he was just like ripping him. And um, I think the crowd definitely thought it was funny, but it was for sure not as much of a uh, appreciated joke as as other ones because it probably struck a nerve to some degree, you know, with with people. So I mean, it's always a risk though, which is un- which is unfortunate because at the end of the day, comedy is comedy, and you got to appreciate it. But some people can definitely take it negatively. Did, did you think it was a funny joke or it kind of laid flat? With I thought you? it was I, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I forget yeah. exactly what it was, honestly, but. Yeah, I, I I don't I didn't hear the joke obviously, but I mean if you found it funny, chances are I'd I'd find it funny too because we have similar senses of humor, and, and and sometimes people, it's it's almost like when people go out to a cocktail party in New York, some sort of fancy get together, you want to wear your best shit and obviously dress up like a beast and. People will will be able to tell, you know, how much it's worth and everyone will be judging you by your clothes and how you look. And it's weird that now in 2021, your laughter has become a part of that style and what you laugh at. It's like people will judge you based on the things that you find funny or don't find funny. And it'll all become part of this identity of you whereas i feel like back in the day early 2000s like it was just ruthless fucking, dude it was ruth like fucking like barstool sports was just starting i remember e-bombs world youtube was just getting started um like there, there was there was so much shit where it was just like if the if this is funny i'm gonna fucking laugh my ass off and if it's not funny it's not for me. And now people's attitudes is if it's funny, I'll laugh my ass off. And, and it's not funny. That will, if it's not funny and I see someone else laughing at something that's not funny, that becomes part of that person from now on. Like he's the guy that laughed at right. Bernie or she's the guy that laughed at Bernie getting made fun of. And so that's going to make me think about her a certain way rather than, she thought that was funny and I did it and we'll move on and he yeah. gives a shit. Have you seen uh, Chappelle's new uh, Netflix special? The Closer. Yes. I have. I have. You I have. Watched it. watched it once, which is a lo- low. It, just, it did just come out. I've seen Chappelle's specials probably three or four times each. I'll just fucking binge them over and over again. But I, I did watch The Closer. One time. I did too. I, I saw it. A, I saw it a few weeks back. I thought it was pretty good, um, from a from a comedy level. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I brought I, it up I, because I did too, bro. I loved it because like I'm on his side 100, percent and he did a great job of elaborating like through his situation and explaining his stance from the least like politically charged way possible. Yet he still gets so much heat, which is understandable, especially with the the climate that we're in today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. See, I, I enjoyed it as a piece of work that that Dave Chappelle put out. As, as a piece of art, I enjoyed it, and I'm going to watch it again probably three or four more times. Yeah, I need to watch just it Just to kind of dissect it. 
on a level of comedy though, I felt like at at certain points the the values he was trying to share through preaching about certain topics superseded his attempt to be funny. And as a listener and a watcher of comedy, I respect the comics the most. And, and I obviously Dave Chappelle is one of the, he's the goat. He's so fucking funny. Been watching him since I was in seventh grade and and had to fucking download like rip his shit illegally (laughs) because I, my parents wouldn't let me watch it. Um, but he, somewhere along the line, the last year or two, his, I don't think his North Star is funny anymore. It, and it, and it, in the past, his North Star has always been, if this is funny, I'll say it. If it's not funny, I won't say it. But his whole specials, like other great comics, are aligned with an attempt to be funny. Everything is either funny or building back towards something that is funny. And the past year or two, I've felt that he's becoming something different. He's becoming a stand-up and an advocate of issues and at but, certain points during certain points during the special the advocacy overwhelmed the comedy for me other yeah. people um, obviously have different opinions but for me i thought that the advocacy overwhelmed the comedy special and again i i enjoyed it but it wasn't i, I wouldn't put it in the top 20 specials yeah. that I've seen in the past two years. That's fair. I mean, I, I, I totally am with you on that. And I think my question is, how much of that do you think was because of the content he was putting out that he felt he needed to do that and to position the special like that? Because granted, that is a very unique special. And, mm-hmm. he, and you know, especially in the last few years with with, with what's gone on socially, it's like, how many of these celebrities though now are are taking the opportunity to use their platform for a stance that they want to take not not saying it's right or wrong but it's just it's just so much more common now and and accepted as well it's worked into a lot of the professional fields of everyone celebrity wise um but i agree with you i think it was definitely a little bit too much at some points but i still appreciated his efforts to to explain his stance and and make it and kind of dampen it. Um, yeah, he, you know he, what I mean. So some something that I noticed the 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 first time through was the way that he ended it because right before that I had watched Shane Gillis's special live in Austin on YouTube, which is fucking hilarious. You would love that shit. Um, Shane Gillis went to West Point, played football, eventually dropped out of West Point. Uh, started doing stand-up comedy in Philly. And I think he's now, I, I think, I, I can't remember if he's, if he's in New York or Austin, but the special is called Live Live in Austin. And Shane Gillis ended the special with one of the funniest bits that I've ever seen. And all of my favorite comedy specials, including the earlier ones that Dave Chappelle has done, all end on a punch in the gut with laughter. It's like right. I'm gonna leave you fucking wheezing with laughter at the end. I mean, that's the and best. Shane Gillis, yeah. Sh- yeah, Shane Gillis did that. Dave Chappelle, his rant. I was expecting a punchline at the end of his rant, and he built up for a few minutes, and then he left it with a statement about 
black people versus trans people and and I forget what it was. So I, I, yeah, yeah. I can't quote him directly, but it was kind. It was kind of, uh, you know, don't forget about our people, black people, because he was talking about trans before that and how black issues can kind of get lost in that. And that was the end of the special. I thought I was expecting him to lead up to something to punch me in the gut to end. And I thought, oh, for him, the the choice he decided to make for this special was based on the way he ended to advocate for what he was advocating for during that special. He made a bunch of statements. Um, so it wasn't like he was just trying to hit one thing, but he ended it on an advocacy note rather than a comedic note. And I noticed that it, it stood out to me. And I, w- I didn't notice it at first. I'm like, huh, like Dave Chappelle didn't end this special with a joke. Like he's one of the best comedians of all time. And he ended it with just kind of like a, a statement that someone would make it a rally. Yeah, I do remember that ending like that. And I'm with you for sure. Cause, um, that kind of summed up the, the, the content and how heavy and how politically heavy, heavy it was too, or socially. But, um, I mean, it was, it was still good though for what it was worth. And I definitely want to watch it again. Cause I feel like I'll, I would appreciate it more. Did, uh, did people get charged up about that in DC? Because I think he's from DC. Dave he Chappelle, is. He's, or he started yeah. doing comedy in DC. Yeah, he grew up right outside of DC, and um, I think I believe it's Silver Spring actually. Um, but no, I haven't. I haven't seen much like local publicity about it or reactions. But I, I watched it with a few of my buddies here. So um, there's just a, a, a close knit group that saw it with us. But no, I feel like it hasn't blown up though to a terribly degree. Yeah, I don't I don't think it will. I, I think most of the the shit that you see online is all smoke and mirrors and mm. if you don't give in to the people making demands at you to apologize and and say certain shit that 48 hours someone else is going to run their mouth and say the next thing on a podcast or comedy special and you get forgotten. Right. And it can seem overwhelming. Um, and I mean, granted, I, I've never felt the amount of pushback that Dave Chappelle has felt and probably never will. So I can't imagine what it's like to get the pushback that he's gotten, especially about the trans issues and the, the jokes uh, with trans people that he makes on stage that I find fucking hilarious. And... Um, I actually had a trans woman on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Oh, nice! That and she found uh, a bunch of the jokes that Dave Chappelle made hilarious, and I was curious on her perspective. But I, I won't, I won't speak for her because um, she said a, she said a bunch of shit on it. So that'll that'll be in a future episode. But I, I I can't imagine the amount of pressure seeing those notifications, especially when you start trending on Twitter. Which Dave Chappelle, whenever he puts out a special, he's going to be trending. And I don't even know if he has a Twitter. He might actually be off social media. But if you are, you just see thousands of notifications in real time popping up by the minute. People just saying all this shit to you. And hey. so, oh, dude, it, it's, it's crazy. It's fucking, imp- it, it, it's so fucked that that is the response to a lot of things. And well, I don't know he- what the answer is to it. Yeah, I don't think there is an answer. It's just so unfortunate that today 
everyone feels like they have to give their two cents for every situation, especially if they don't agree with it, which should be, you know, if you think about it, it should be the opposite. Like if you don't agree with it, shut your mouth, like let them be, you know what I mean? Like no reason to spread hate like that. Um, But that's, that's kind of, I don't know. I think with with social media, it just made it so much more um, readily available and easy to spread you know, a bunch of bullshit yeah. like that, but yeah, you know, I, I've had a few moments where I'll get nasty DMs from people and it's less than 1%. All the, the DMs that I get are overwhelmingly positive 99% of the time. And I appreciate every one of them. People that reach out is especially, you know, being a podcaster only two or three years in, it means a lot, but occasionally I'll get a nasty DM and the person will describe in detail what bothered them. And a lot of times it's something uh, towards the end of the episode or they're kind of going through the episode of what bothered them. And I almost feel bad for the person sending it because they continue to listen to something that they obviously Mm. didn't like. So in my mind, when I do respond to it, I'm almost like, you know, I understand you didn't like it, also, why didn't you just turn it off 20 minutes in? You know, <laughs> yeah. the fr- like, don't listen to me. Don't listen to this podcast if you don't, if this is triggering you that much where you're getting so emotional because that energy is going to leak over into your following days and weeks. And there's a lot of, there are a lot of people out there that hate watch and hate listen and it destroys their life. And yeah, I, I can't, I don't understand why people are willing to, put themselves in a negative mindset for days or weeks on end consuming content that is not for them. And I pre like, I'm, I'm just like, fuck yeah. Like streams are going up. Like if I, I put out an episode that's particularly controversial, um, which I like, I, I don't really, I never go into an episode making an episode controversial, but some of them will get more negative backlash than others. And in my mind, I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like, more people are getting pissed off at this, which means statistically more people are seeing it because then and right. like the ratio just goes up. If you have, you know, 1% of people that hate it and 1% of those people DM you, it's like, oh, if I get five nasty DMs on a podcast one week and then three months from now I get like 50, then I'm just like this, like this episode is, is popping off. Up, so yeah. to me, to me personally, I've learned to see it as, an aspect of more people viewing or listening to what you do, listeners, audience, whatever, whatever platform you're on. And then to the person, I, it's so, yeah, like I, I respect someone who will just be like, I turned this off in five minutes because I fucking hated it. And I'm like, all right, all right. Like, you know, fuck yeah. Like maybe I'll ask them what they hated about it just for, cause I'm, if I'm curious, but if someone's sending me this whole in detail thing, I'm like, bro, just shut the fucking episode off. Like, save yourself a half day of feeling like shit and stop listening to me or stop listening to this episode in particular. Subscribe on Auxor Premium. Give you give me your money, but stop Swipe listening up. to this episode, dude. Swipe up and subscribe, dude. <laughs> no, For it's the so year, true. it's cheaper. Dude, I think um, a catalyst of that mindset was 100% COVID. You know, just being stuck inside for however long we were. Um, what do you What do you mean? 
of the catalyst as COVID. Just with the amount of um, the amount of data that we consumed, being stuck in quarantine, it gave people and dude, people had nothing to do. You know what I mean? Like people were, were out of jobs, were at home, couldn't go out. So obviously, you're going to sit on your phone for hours and just consume data, and eventually, you're going to run into some shit that triggers you, um, or find a community that that agrees with something that you know triggers them. And it's just it's kind of easy to get lost in that mindset of um, sharing that that negativity or hate because I don't know I don't know why but you know what I mean though like COVID definitely presented an opportunity for for that like kind of fester which which sucks but I don't know I don't know if it'll it'll ever really transition back out of that I I think it will I, I think well I don't know actually because Mark Zuckerberg just announced the metaverse. I changed Facebook's name to the Metaverse. Did you see that? I did. Yep, Meta. It's so wild. kind of, kind of this whole virtual reality thing. So, so imagine you're disliking shit, and you're, you know, fucking going off on Twitter mm-hmm. on someone that you hate, and then you can actually feel like you're in a room with them. That's only gonna, that's only gonna amplify, or like you feel like you're sitting across. I don't know what the Metaverse is gonna be, but let's Dude. just say. You can become a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast. Like you hear the conversation and you're watching it from the guest point of view. So you're looking at Joe Rogan as you're hearing the whole conversation and it feels like you're in the room with him. And now imagine hating Joe Rogan and just, you're just like fucking punching holes through your wall with a VR headset on. You're like, fuck this piece of motherfucking primate piece of shit. That's like when when we was was making it big and people were just like tossing the rem- the Wii remotes across rooms and like breaking TVs. We're gonna have another another wave of of shit like that. But no, dude, uh, social interaction, the dynamics of that is gonna change so much within not just the meta, but kind of the whole idea of this um the metaverse. You know what I mean? Just with with what technology is gonna allow us to do. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, well, speaking of technology. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, because you've been single throughout COVID and I I got wifed up um, around November 2020. So yeah, about a year ago. What has the, the app experience been like on COVID? Like Hinge, Bumble, what's kind of been your approach to going on dates how has the vibe been been like what's the evolution of march no one wants to fucking touch anyone to kind of where we're at now what's kind of your perspective on dating in these covid times these these pandemic times i mean do you want to talk about like during covid because i for me at least i think what we are essentially out of you know any yeah, sort let, of covid shutdown are you talking like I, yeah i like that let's Talk about like the first year because I, I like to think about it like that too. We're out of this shit and we're going to keep yeah. going out. So let's talk about the first year. What, what was the progression for you um, on Hinge, Bumble, whatever you're using and kind of the interactions you were having? Just give people kind of like an overview of what that was like as a, as a single dude bopping around in the, in the metaverse. Around the metaverse. Dude, yeah. is that going to be, <laughs> think about that. Dude, you, VR dates for, <laughs> instead of FaceTiming, you're just in fucking save like, so much money. Ste- you're in a steakhouse on second and 13th 
and you're fucking firing up a glass of wine across from someone instead of a FaceTime. Just butt ass naked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm on I I'm my head, but I choose the rock's body. She's like, what what like why why is your neck your neck doesn't fit your, your body neck's the size of your you. torso. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, that's um I didn't even think about that. That's weird. Think about how that's gonna change things. Um but no, I've I've been a primarily I would say bumble and hinge user. Um with the amount of apps out there, it's I feel like it's super easy to get wrapped up in that too much, um, and just want to like be on all these apps and 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 whatnot and swiping constantly. But um, I think there be, there there comes a time when you value quality over quantity more in terms of like just trying to swipe, 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 swipe. Like your standards go up just because you want to spend less time with people that you might not have any interest in. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, well, I'm kind of rambling now. Let me back up. So beginning of COVID, obviously no one had any idea what was going on. <clears throat> I did. <laughs> I did. We had two weeks off from work and then we were back. <laughs> that was the plan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I thought we were gonna be back in the office in April, and uh, then I found out some guy was eating bats, and then it probably <laughs> came from a lab, and now we're here. And then Blake Bortles is starting with the Packers now. The, the dominoes have fallen. Fuck yeah, dude! Happy um, to get out of Jacksonville. <laughs> um, but no, I feel like for me personally, I I like didn't date at all during. Of the beginning of COVID. Not that I was um, scared, for lack of a better word, of, of the virus or interacting with people, but like it's just hard to have any sort of communication and converse with someone about the idea of potentially going on a date when you're in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's just like, how how can you get past that? Because if you if you put if you spend time and energy into this conversation and, and getting to know someone, it's like well, where do we go from here? We're in the middle of a pandemic. So it's like, I don't know. So that was kind of one battle that you, that you fight, you know, it's like how much of this is, is a worth it or, um, how much of this are we actually going to see through? Cause there's so many unknowns at that time. You know, we had no idea what COVID was, how long we we're going to be in lockdown. So to me, it kind of felt like a waste to go on apps at the time. Um, but it would have been sick to have like, a significant other through that to 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 kind of rely on to be able to hang out with on a consistent basis but we yeah, had no i would say um the right hand jill <laughs> good old jill um, good old jill yeah and then i feel like the the progression out of that was extremely slow just because you have a wide range of people with how they feel about felt about covid and and getting to know someone you know, outside of your home, um, or even having the opportunity to go to bars, right? So it's like that's a whole nother that is a whole nother um issue that you had to deal with. It's like the constant fluctuation of what's being shut down, what's open. What can you even do to go meet someone? It's like let's just go have a walk in the park. <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? You had to get creative with with shit like that, which is kind of cool in a way. But yeah, it was it was um I feel like it was just more stressful than it needed to be. So I didn't really, yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, I well, first I had to make the decision in my head: do I or do I not want to kill my parents? Right, and, naturally, <laughs> naturally. Yeah. So it was it was tough. It was tough, and I decided, you know, what, let me hold off on on hinge dates at the beginning. Um, back in April, and then I think the. I was just kind of chilling in my apartment, and then the first date I went on was either end of May or beginning of June 2020, and it actually felt kind of nice, because I, I did kind of what you were saying, sat on a blanket in a park. We weren't really, you know, not no physical interaction, because we were still not sure what the fuck was going on, then went on a walk and did things to be creative that otherwise normally would not have happened. And it started to open my mind to more creative things that you could do on either zoom or FaceTime and, and try to make something like my, my podcast brain almost started to kick in where I wanted to keep the conversation going as much as possible over a FaceTime date before we met in person. And then it's, I, I I actually had a pretty enjoyable experience dating during COVID. Just and I don't think it's better or worse. It was just different than what I was used to. When when you take away something that's always there, I feel like it forces you to be more creative. It's like if you wanna yeah. I forget who said it, but it's if you wanna be creative, take everything away and limit your resources. And that's definitely true. Uh, with podcasting, you know, if if you only have a certain uh, certain number of topics, you can ask someone, or you're you only have uh, a certain set of equipment, you definitely have to be more creative with how you present the podcast, how you edit it, what your options are. And so, I feel like the same thing applied to dating, where the options were taken away, and it was almost a relief in some sense, where I knew it had to be outside, and that limited the monkey brain that kept going on repeat with which was uh in normal times you know is this the is this a good date there are a million options is this the best thing that we could do tonight whereas when you can only be outside there's like half or less the things you can do and so i felt more confident doing it because i knew the other options weren't available yes very true i like that that's a good point um i mean i i I definitely dated not Throughout the entire, I don't know when my first official date was, I guess, like through COVID. But um, I mean, I, I would get to know girls here and there, but it was 100% a very unique experience because you had to, you kind of had to walk on glass with a lot of different things, you know. And obviously, when you meet someone, it's like you're not going to not talk about COVID, which, which was the last thing you want to talk about, but it like, it just inevitably comes up when you meet someone and getting to know someone. But oh yeah, it takes over everything. Oh, dude. Regardless, though, I'm just so glad we're out of that with with everything. But yeah, they just made dating so much harder for me. I feel like, and it was it was much harder to get that genuine connection at the end of the day. You know what I did like though the the, the takeaway, the biggest COVID dating takeaway that I had was that the FaceTime, what do you call it? The FaceTime, uh, almost like checks to see if you're compatible with the yeah, person. Yeah. I guess yeah, the yeah. filter, the FaceTime filters, that 10, 15 minutes 
where you call someone before you actually have to make the time commitment and spend money to go on a right. date. I like that a lot because there there were times in the past where I, I show up to a date and for whatever reason, the first five minutes, I'm like, this Brutal. is... I'm going to I'm going to make this hour as fun as possible for both of us because I we're here and I'm not going to just ditch this person right now. But, but <laughs> if I'd face if I'd face yeah, I'm just like a slap a 20 on the table and chug <laughs> my beer and oh. go walk out the back or just uh have go over to the next date at the other table. Yeah, really. But but there there've been times where um I thought especially after FaceTiming different girls that if I had done this in normal times, we would have figured out in the first 30 seconds that this probably wasn't going out. Not the first 30 seconds, maybe first 10, 15 minutes because FaceTime can be awkward right off the oh, bat. God, so yeah. I would never judge, I would never judge anyone in the first 30 seconds. If they judge me in the first 30 seconds, it'd be like, this kid sucks. It'd be a fucking shit show. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Can this kid stop flexing his pecs, trying to find the perfect lighting? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I do. I do like the FaceTime filtering for first dates. I, it's I a good way to that's screen. Something that's going to stay even after you know things are back to normal. Now it's a it's a good kind of screening. Yeah, it's a, that's a better word for it. It's FaceTime screening just to make sure that you check all the boxes. You know, you don't answer the FaceTime with fucking like four bodies behind you or three is fine. Four is nobody. Yeah, yeah. three's yeah three. I went out on a date with a girl who had two and a half. It was two clear bodies and then just the <laughs> upper half of another one. And I thought, you know what? I did say on my profile that three or more is a no. And I <laughs> respect that she took the time to look at that and got rid of the other ones in the photo. Or maybe that's all that she had. But so also made sure half. to show you. Made sure to show me. Yeah. And so I really appreciated that. And we didn't go on a second date, but, you know, um, it, it, it was a good time. You know, I, I got a lot of uh, information that I could blackmail her with later. <laughs> and now she's in jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like, I like how I find out someone's a serial killer and I'm like, let me not use this. Let me not go to the police right away. Let me see if I can use this information for myself to barter for some right. money. There or, you go. You know something that's 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 where my my head is at. How can I leverage Dude, the fact that this woman is chopping up bodies? Speaking of serial killers, like I don't know about you, but I've I've never felt worried or threatened or scared to go on a date in terms of like my personal well being. But I I can't imagine going like some you know being a girl or a woman and and feeling that going to a date. Like it's funny because half you know how many times you get, does it get brought up when they're like oh just as long as you're not a serial serial killer or if it's on someone's page like we'll get along as long as you're not a serial killer like yeah obviously no shit but like at the end of yeah. the day like it's it's a complete different mindset when you're when you're not a male and like we 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 don't have to worry about it as much for you know what I mean but no um, I, I was actually thinking about that recently where every be, time yeah. every time you go home with a guy if you're if you're a a female and you go home with a guy to his apartment especially all the one night stands it's rolling the dice you are rolling the fucking dice especially yep. that guy lives by himself and and dude people are fucking crazy 
Yeah. There, there were a couple times where I had a girl come back to my apartment and things, you know, after our uh, bodies separated, there were, there were some things exchanged where she seemed slightly unstable and we had already made it clear that she wanted to stay over. And I was a little bit nervous going to bed where I was like, let me put away some knives before <laughs> I lit like I'm not even joking. There's one instance where I was like, I need to put these in the, the drawer because this girl this seemed crazy. off. Like she hey. seemed off. And I was like, you know what? I'm probably in my own head about this. I'm fucked up right now, but let me uh sheath yes yeah. butcher knife into the, the drawer. If I'm or, gonna get stabbed, it's gonna be like by one of those kitchen <laughs> knives. I'm not gonna get chopped up. No, dude, that's that's why you just got to offer if they want to wear a straight jacket to bed instead of your shorts. Sim- simple, simple solution. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when, when a girl's like, do you have a sweatshirt? I just toss nah. it a straight jacket. <laughs> yeah, put this shit on. <laughs> yeah, on. Um, but no, I, and I mean, as a guy, I've only felt that once. I'm sure every girl that has a one night stand or goes home with a guy for the first time, she's thinking about that constantly where mm-hmm. what like what is going to happen when the door closes and it's yeah. just me and this guy in his, you know, apartment in New York. And maybe he doesn't have a roommate. This, this fear I, I've, I've started to become aware of the fear that women go through more listening to a lot of, especially stand-up comics. I love hearing stand-up comics make jokes and make jokes about it or talk about it on podcasts that are female. And like some of the shit that runs through a, a girl's mind is a complete afterthought for a guy because you you always feel in control of a situation until you confront another guy who gives off vibes yeah. that yeah he's looking to control you in some way or seems unstable and as a girl that you know unless you're you've taken some sort of self defense or you, you no martial arts. Every guy is a threat to you because chances are they're bigger, faster, and stronger and can do whatever they want to you. And so you're rolling the dice for dick. If I if I was a girl, that would be my autobiography is rolling the dice for dick. <laughs> here lies... Roll it, roll it, roll it. Dick. All right, here we go. Here lies Zachary Grossfeld. No one rolled the dice for dick like he did. Yeah. Not only did he roll well, dice in the craps table, but he rolled the dice for Dick on a weekend. He rolled the dice for Dick, but yeah, that's that's a good point. It's uh, there's just a lot of danger that creeps up in a girl's mind that I don't think about or haven't thought about in, in the past up until the, the last few years. It's funny. There's actually um, what you said made me think about this time where I I got off the subway at the wrong stop. I think the stop right next to my apartment was closed, which is right down the block. And then I had to get off one stop after that. So I walked a few blocks down from where I normally do. And it was just me and this other girl that got off in front of me. And there's no one in the station, no one on the street. This is two 30 in the morning. I'm coming back from a bar fucked up and I'm making all the same turns as the girl in front of me. Oh, I, I got I got off walked out of the walked out of the station 
I'm walking, like I'm walking behind her on the escalator. I just wanted to tell, like it, it would only make it more awkward right, if right. I said to this girl, like, I'm not going to rape you. Like, <laughs> could you imagine? Like, I, I, like, yeah. Um, and I just kept making all the same turns. I walked out, made a left. And then I was like, please, please don't make a fucking right at this block. And she made a right. I'm like, God damn it. I'm making a right too. And then it happened four or five times in a row. Shit you not. And eventually got to my apartment and she walked past her apartment and she looked back a few times. And I was thinking like, this girl probably thought I was ready to slice her and stick her in my walls. And I was just walking back to my apartment at a, you know, a poor time to be seen following another woman for five blocks straight. It just happened to be at that time of night. And I was like, damn, if that happened to me and there was another person walking behind me, another girl walking behind me wouldn't give a shit like another guy i'd be like uh like i'm almost at my apartment he'd have to be closer as long as he doesn't get close he's not going to do anything but that's something that girls deal with all the time and it's uh i can imagine it would be very nerve-wracking to feel like things are outside of your control. You're bas- you basically have to let go of control every time you go home with a guy. Yeah, dude. And just make sure you have that pepper spray with you. Like 100% girls should have some sort of defense on them, whether it's like a tiny knife or pepper spray, but it makes sense why, you know, so many of them have that. My daughter is not rolling the dice for dick without pepper spray. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that right now. That, that'll be included in the sex. Got your condoms. Life. Got your pepper spray. Got your plan B. Yeah. <laughs> little, little pocket knife. Um, it's hilarious. Dude, so, so something I wanted to get into with you, which is also uh, goes off of dating and things that we have philosophical discussions about in depth um in parks looking into each other's eyes mm-hmm. all the time what is all the time right now virtually metaverse is going to be possible you got no pants on i don't not have <laughs> pants on so what is your goal of sex this, this is like something something that i even in a in a relationship and especially when i was single i would think about like what do i want out of this how do i approach this situation you know in terms of pleasure how how long do i focus on myself when do i focus on her and obviously that evolves as you have more and more partners and you learn that everyone is different and you See girls with have to read the situation and sensations yeah, yeah. have to read situations. So I would say for you, is there a general kind of guideline approach that you have for sex to make it as good of an experience as possible for you and the girl early on? Like you blank slate, you've never had a sexual experience with this person before. What is kind of your thought process going into it? Like you're going back, good vibes, and start getting after it what's kind of going through your head i usually have them fill out a form um with questions one through no i'm just kidding um so same thing same (laughs) thing as me so far yeah yeah yeah. Um, it's quicker if you have them fill it out before you start talking to them that's what i've realized is that you just kind of you do it as a a sort of 
just like one of those things you fill out when you walk into a doctor's appointment and <laughs> you've never been there before. It's just like, just check off this list, make sure you're covered. Um, but yeah. So yeah, here's, here's a link for a survey monkey. Need you to fill out real quick. It's going to make our experience yeah, this, much this, better. <laughs> I, I could see that happening in college. All, all those fucking uh, survey monkey research things you have to do for research. Like, look, we're, we're going to do this tonight. I'm going to rock your world. But, but I, also, I also have an anthropology research <laughs> assignment due tomorrow where I have to get five people to respond to the survey. So it would really help me a lot if you could fill this out. <laughs> dude that'd be hilarious um, before no. i am inside you <laughs> um so, so after the survey what it, what's uh what's the approach the approach for just what general yeah kind of like you early you don't really know each other yet outside of maybe going on a few dates a couple dates um, so no sex has been had no sex has been had you guys have made out <clears throat> what's kind of your approach going into that first bang that, that first kind of uh, climax, theme, I think, uh, whatever the word for it is. I mean, the priority should be her comfort level because that is what is going to create or make or break the the sexual experience. You know what I mean? So, I mean, this goes back to literally what we just talked about about girls feeling uncomfortable with going going home with guys. Like, I mean, that's the last thing you want. So, whatever that may be based on, you know, getting to know her from that night or previous dates as well, whatever. Um, but I don't know, a general approach, like when it comes to sex for me, it's, I always want it to be, I never, I never want it to be like, um, expected. Like I hate expectations. You know what I mean? Um, just because you, you, you build up this idea of, who you know who you who you think this person's going to be how how you think this is going to go and naturally like expectations are inevitable you know it's a it's a process you don't you don't want to you don't want to follow the script you don't you don't want her to be like this is where he flips me and this is you know you so want my head gets wanna... put through the wall yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> this is um, when I fill out the survey no but I think it ultimately like I said just comes down to like making her feel as comfortable as possible and that can be done through whatever, whether it's food, drinks, movie, you go, you know, go somewhere else after you get drinks or dinner. Um, but yeah, I, I, I try to never create any expectations. Um, just because I want it to happen. Like I want that, that fire, that passion, that connection that you feel that's like natural. Cause nothing can replace that. You know what I mean? Um, whether whether it's a short term or long term thing with with someone, you know what I mean. Um, I'm gonna record this. Uh, well, this is being recorded, but I'm gonna chop this section for you in particular and give it to you for your hinge profile video. Perfect, because you're allowed to do videos now. I know it's how sick is be, how do you, how do you fucking know that, huh? <laughs> I because I got my girlfriend. I fucking reeled her in with the video. Oh, you changed okay. it up. Okay. Did I ever tell you the story about that? I don't think so, actually. So, so I basically made this super. Let me back up a little bit. So, <laughs> I was I, I I was single, but we started at COVID, so I was single long before that, four or five years before COVID. But leading up to COVID, 
I had had experiences on Hinge with kind of the photos and the typical profile where girls were matching me and I was matching girls that clearly we were not going to work out. And I was... But why do you say that? Learning that very early on. Why was it clear? Like, what what makes you say that? Just a, just a mismatch of energy. Not necessarily an opinion or taste. More values. If a, if a fundamental value is misaligned for me, like if if we're talking about... Which is completely fair uh, yeah. and, and natural. Like yeah. That, yeah. That, that is the raise, best. Yeah. That's the best thing about how you want to raise your like, kids, how you want to raise your kids, how you spend money, um, mm-hmm. things like that. That's just 10 years from now. There's no way like you're just going to keep butting heads. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I, I don't really put too much into things like your favorite song or your favorite movie. It's more like, who are you? What are the values? that you have because those are going to really determine whether we're compatible for each other. So absolutely the just photos on hinge uh, with the little prompts wasn't really giving me as much information as I wanted to. And I was going, I felt like I was wasting a lot of time going on dates with girls who had different values than me. Mm-hmm. Um, we just weren't for each other. And then I made a video and I got the idea because to promote a podcast I would make a video and kind of say something about it, make a cheeky joke and then put it on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. Um, and at the time I was more into TikTok. Now I'm just more YouTube, Instagram, like TikTok is too fucking addicting. I've just kind of put that to the side. But at the time I was very into the short form kind of saying things to the camera. And so when Hinge released an update that allowed you to put videos of course, I was like, I need Boom. to, I need to take advantage of this new skill set that I've been building, and I made this super cheesy script. Like, literally, had a glass of whiskey in my hand, turned around. <laughs> the first thing I said was, "Oh, didn't see you there." And then I kind of went into this whole thing. Shut where up. Where I will lay it. Please out. tell me you have this video. <laughs> I have it still on my phone. I'll I'll send it to you. I'll I'll probably put it up and link it to this podcast. I can link Please. it so people can see it on YouTube. I'll put like a compilation together because they're I made everything uh, a video. So there are four or five oh, wow. videos. And and so I wrote out a script. I kind of went off the cuff a little bit so it seemed natural. And then at the end of each video, I would say something like, scroll down, I'll see you there. And then they would get to the next video and <laughs> yeah. just pick up. And that's so funny. <laughs> and I the the amount I was getting maybe two to three messages a day before I put videos. And then after I got video, after I put videos on, I was getting between 12 and 15 messages on hinge per day. Granted, not all of them were interested, but right. It was just more emotional responses. Like I either fucking love you or I hate you. I was getting zero. I'm not sure about you, which would, I kind of felt when I just had photos up and that led me like I, I just wanted to experiment and try something different because I kind of felt like I was wasting my time as I said and yeah, I yeah. felt like that filter of video was allowing other girls to figure me out much more quickly and they had a <clears throat> super strong emotion about me and so that allowed me to waste less time because 
that was my personality. That video, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure it had like jokes that I would make in person, kind of said things that I would say in person. And so I was giving them this filter of if you don't like this, don't match me. Or right. And if you do like this, send me a message. And I said that at the end. I literally said like, send me a message. So I was spending no time on the app and I was racking up messages because I gave kind of this call to action at the end, like literally like sales marketing, like send me a message, like I'll, I, I won't waste your time or something like that. Um, and I, it saved me a bunch of time cause I wasn't even swiping anymore. I was just going through the people who messaged me and then the people who messaged me that were, that liked me really liked me. And that allowed me to, um, just have a better conversation, waste less time and, yeah. and go out with people who are more interested in me. And that eventually led me to my beautiful girlfriend that I'm with today. Cheers to that. And so I, I, and ultimately that's the goal that you dating apps are not forever. I, I, I told myself, I was like, I don't want to be on this app for any longer than I need to. And the goal was to find someone for me that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Other people may have, you know, other plans, not monogamous or whatever, you're into but for me i i wanted to find a fulfilling relationship and that i there's no way to know how long i've been on the app but i suspect that video probably cut off months or years to the amount of time i would have spent on that app like going through girls who may or may not have been interested in me i believe it dude makes sense it's kind of a double-edged sword too in a way because with that you said you were getting what two to three messages a day before and then it jumped to like 12 or 15. So in a way it does make it tougher. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it allowed me to be super selective though. Yeah, exactly. There you go. I I was ruthless with my selection. If there was something I would only um, give people a time of day that where there was something about their profile that stood out or they had a creative response. If it's just like, Oh, ha ha or whatever. I'll just be like, no. Yep. Um, so it made me, it, it allowed me to be more selective and I was spending way less time. So I actually wasn't, I wasn't really going through, it, it gave me the, um, I don't know the right word. It kind of gave me the ability to just kind of one look, go at profiles and be like, is this for me? Yes. Is this not for me? No. And then go you raise your standards. Point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You were able to do yeah, that. Exactly. Um, Creative responses are the most crucial thing on dating apps. Like if if you can't if you can't show your your personality some way or another on there, you know it's like then then what what am I even going to get on here and talk to you for? Like if if we're not having good talking, if we're if we're not having a fun time together over texting, like what makes you think it's going to be better in person? Um, but yeah, I don't know. It kind of comes yeah. down to the whole the the whole dating app thing in general, dude. Like, I'm kind of just sick of them. I, I mean, I've kind of been to that point for a while, but I would love to find something serious. And it's hard not to just keep a profile up there with the with the hopes of it of of coming across something uh, meaningful and serious. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> something I realized. Um, probably two or three years ago when I still had a Bumble profile is that there are a lot of girls that give guys shit 
about the messages that they send and the lack of creativity. So you send a message on Hinge or Tinder, uh, fucking J-Date, whatever you're on, and then a girl would respond something like, oh, that's all you got, or like, really? Like, that's your first message? And then Bumble came along, and the girls had to send the first message, and that really exposed the lack of creativity that I was getting from girls, where they'd be like, oh my God, like, hi, or what's up? And I'm just like, this is literally the least creative I've ever felt. I felt my brain melting reading Bumble messages because most girls, there were some really creative, straightforward messages I got, but all these girls who were saying guys are not creative did not realize how much goes into a first message that you send a guy. It's crucial. When it came down to it, when it came down to it, 95% of them were just this vanilla bullshit that I forgot about five seconds after I read and 5% of them were. And I'm sure the same thing applies to guys where, you know, 95% of them are, um, I actually, I would say less applies to guys because mm-hmm. the, the burden or I'll say the opportunity is more on guys to say the first thing because we're built like that. We're built with needing to having to say the first word. And we, realize that if we don't have the first word, that opportunity is going to pass. So creativity is born out of that opportunity and the necessity really to say the first word. And so it was kind of like, I almost got a little bit of uh, like pleasure out of it reading these super shitty first messages where I'm like, it's not just guys, like mm-hmm. girls are fucking to send shitty messages too. They just haven't had to do it until Bumble. Flashback to uh, IM days or like when when flip phones first came out. Like, and then, and then, uh, how what are you doing? HBU, and then JCU, just chilling. How about you? What were, yeah. what were all those uh, the acronyms we had? JC, JC, HMU, uh, WID, <laughs> um, uh, PI, I, MM, put it in my mouth. Um, <laughs> I just made that up, but it's going to be a thing. Uh, it's going to be a thing. It's already stuck. Yeah, it's, it, dude, it's, it's, it's trending right now. It's, it's whatever. Um, but yeah, no, we, you'd have conversations and basically acronyms. Um, but, but I cut you off with the indulging in my, my hinge videos. We, we were talking about the goal of sex and you mm. started to explain a little bit about like wanting the environment to be comfortable yeah to start off um yeah not just environment environment's definitely crucial for sure and then if you're like hanging out in your in like your living room or you know you transition to your room at some point it's obviously got to make sure that the light's going i know for a fact that we've had plenty of conversations about this about the the phillips hue lights that you can change on your phone. You got to get the candles going, right? Dude, you gotta, Phillips you gotta have, please sponsor the podcast. You got to have music Best going. Best sex lights in the game. <laughs> you got to have a nice sheets playlist um, or a couple for that matter. But no, like whole, I mean, I think, like I said earlier, the priority should be making sure she's comfortable. And that from that, you can talk about like, um, from an emotional standpoint too, not just like physically with where you're at, but emotionally, like there's gotta be that connection to some degree. 
And that just transitions naturally into like a sexual connection. And then the sexual chemistry is just off the charts. Um, but in terms of sex itself, like if we want to get into that, the utmost priority, I mean, like, I feel like I don't get mine out of sex until I know for a fact that I have 100% pleased her numerous times. You know what I mean? Like you have to, mm-hmm. the, the, the priority is 100% her. And then it shifts to, to whatever, you know, it can be after that. Um, yeah, the, the vibe, the vibe and the comfortability is definitely super important. And it's, it's funny because as a guy, it's very hard to fuck yourself out of a sketchy vibe or a apartment that that's not, you know, it's, it, it's not well lit the the it's for whatever reason it feels uncomfortable to the girl no matter how well you're laying down that dick it's hard it's almost impossible to fuck yourself out of a sketchy vibe because girls pick up much more on the environment so and much, much more on the atmosphere yeah. but as a guy your fucking apartment could be burning down and if you're with a hot girl you'll just be like yeah. all right before <laughs> I'm good. Before I dialed, I like I'll dial nine one one while I'm hitting it from the back, or I'll I'll finish first. But you like it's almost like you're just like you're so entranced, and, and it, it seems like uh, generalizing most guys that the atmosphere, of course, is still important. You want to be in a comfortable environment. It's not that comfort doesn't matter for guys, but for whatever reason, I feel like guys get more locked in to just the immediate orb of the two people with the sex. Whereas like if there's a weird candle or weird picture on your wall, the girl will be like, Oh my God, like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? And I'm just like, so true. Like her, she, her, like literally there could be, uh, like a, a fucking seven on the Richter scale, your apartment's shaking. You have to get out immediately. And you're just like, Oh, I mean, I guess I just laid good I'm, dick. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's just sit here and, you know, admire how well um, we just rally each other out. Um, I was just going to make a point. I totally forgot what I was going to say. Um, oh, oh, there's there's so much more to sex than just sex. Right. Like that. Like this goes back to um, like talking, going up to a girl at a bar, like so much happens before you actually go up and talk to her. Same exact thing with sex, right? Like so much shit leads up to that, that if, if you have pressed the right buttons and done the correct things, like you're setting yourself up for a a fantastic time in bed. And like, that's, that is the ultimate goal. Like I, whenever I have a girl back that I am anticipating having sex with and I get in bed with her, right. It's like, my goal was to make this girl walk out of here and being like, fuck, that was like one of the best nights of my entire life. For whatever reason. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to think about, I'm going to think about that dick when I'm with my husband. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. And that, that could have been just because she had a great time that night and we did whatever and like, whatever. And then not even including what happened during sex, but absolutely, of course, I'm going to try to put up the best dick that I can for that as well. Um, Again, just going back to wanting her to have the best experience possible. So there, there are a few, um, a few questions from Ask Reddit. If you've ever been on the Ask 
uh, or the sex Reddit, they're people that ask a bunch of questions and they all get upvotes. And so I was looking at the nice. most popular questions that people had about sex. And I knew eventually we were going to get into yeah. this topic. So one of the questions on Reddit was, what's one thing or what's one sex thing that porn totally portrays incorrectly? Ooh, good question. Is there anything that cle- for you... Yeah, yeah. I think first thing that comes to mind is just cleanliness. Right? Because like you, you, you're watching porn from afar sometimes up close, but like mm-hmm. it just seems like you don't, you obviously don't see like behind the scenes or like even transitional scenes or even before shit, like so much other shit goes on. And like, I think the cleanliness is a big thing. Um, not to say that like when you have sex, it's gross, but I mean, there's a sh- bodily fluids everywhere. Right. Whether, oh yeah. And um, it's just never as like, it's it's never as like pristine or as beautiful as like porn will make it out to be. You know what I mean? Um, well, I think it's more. I think it's more beautiful than porn because of all the nuance and the imperfections and right. It's actual. It, it's sex. It's not. It's like the difference between movies and real life. In a movie, you have the perfect storyline written out, scripted from start to finish, whereas in real life it's all those awkward moments that you right. couldn't have possibly adjusted for. It's the, you know, the passing conversation or dirty talk. It's the, you know, the moment after lying with each other, you, you don't, you, you learn to appreciate all the imperfections and the intricacies. Or you like slip a fart out shown to you in porn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, you rip a <laughs> fart and you, you, if she's the one for you, she'll laugh at it. And, uh, uh, or call you a disgusting piece of shit, but she'll have some type of strong reaction and tell you how she feels. So when I said cleanliness, I didn't mean strictly like sanitation, you know what I mean? But part of it, I just meant more of like how smooth everything goes and how like how clean the the whole clip was from beginning yeah, to end. Yeah, 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 like the transitions. Exactly, Perfect. exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, no, it's always... Um, the, the transitions in porn and, and a lot of it is cuts too. Like it'll just cut to another scene. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know until I started listening to podcasts with porn stars when I got more interested in podcasting. And I was like, fucking uh, Johnny Sins is doing a podcast. Like I'm definitely uh, listening to this shit. Or, or uh, yeah. <laughs> there's been like, uh, I forget, but the, a few porn stars have been on Logan Paul and they're talking about all the different dirty, unclean, just like imperfect shit that goes on behind the scenes. And, you know, like a guy will come six times during a scene, but they cut that out and then he just come back like he's fucking for the first time and he'll do the the money shot at the end. Or maybe they sh- they film the money shot before because that's like his first just load. Happened. Yeah, and yeah. That's going to be the best one. And then they act like it's 30 minutes into the scene and like all these things where you're just like, God damn, these dudes are lasting for fucking 45 minutes and which some of them, you know, they definitely are. If you do it for a job, I'm sure you build up a, yeah. a, a stamina for a skill, it. A certain like, skill. Like any job. But yeah, it's like, um, I thought that if I'm going to, uh, answering this question for me. Yeah, I was just, the, just, just going to ask you. That, the, the one thing that porn totally portrays incorrectly, I would say 
everything in porn that depicts a guy going down on a girl is always very violent with the tongue and you can see the entire tongue. Like he's almost like, uh, like if you're watching this on YouTube, it's like literally like full extension tongue, like, <laughs> like flicking as hard as you can. And so that was what I thought that you had to do when you were going down is like your tongue full extension, like out of your mouth. If you were having a camera on it from the side, like you should see your entire tongue. And in reality, it's like, no, your face is buried in that shit. And like <laughs> you can't see you're, they're doing it for the camera angle. You're if, if you're most of the time when you're going down on someone and it feels good, it's like your entire face is buried. You can't really see shit because your tongue is gone or it's flat or it's in another angle, but it's like all, all these things that look good for the camera that actually detract right. from pleasure. It's because whether it's the position uh, or uh, like where you are, like bang, banging in a fucking back of a bus most of the time probably sucks way more than doing it in an actual bed. But except when you're it younger, just you're makes, just like fucking yeah. bang bus, dude. Like bang bus. can't wait till I get to college and I'm just fucking fucking bitches and buses <laughs> going around Richmond and <laughs> yeah, back of cars. Yeah, those that, those are good answers. I feel like I feel like they're both uh, objectively true. Yeah. Also, the. I would I would say the emphasis on the cum shot, which in reality doesn't really matter. It's like an afterthought of the fulfillment <laughs> of the experience, where it's like if it if it was a good time and you both got a lot of pleasure out of it, like who cares? Right. Um, like of what course your you gotta child looked like of, of course pregnancy yeah like all those all those things you have to worry about like stds but it's like the perfect trajectory of like the fucking gotta, laying on her chest or her face yeah i mean of course you gotta dramatize any ending from for a porn for a porn scene so it makes sense but yeah i agree with you it is it is kind of overdone because at the end of the day it's kind of just like it just happens <laughs> often much quicker yeah. much quicker than you'd like it to happen so it's like you don't really plan for it like they like they you know what i mean what do you what do you do when you feel like it's going to happen way before you want it to happen is there any go to you have <laughs> oh absolutely i mean i i feel like this is probably widely held a widely held belief among the uh, male crowd but just like switching positions right that's an easy one or going down yeah. on her and eating her out kind of helps yeah um helps table that that uh yeah. coming sensation desire but and uh surprisingly flexing your dick staves it off for me i don't know if it works for other guys but i've literally been like just like some like, kegels when you're hard yeah literally like doing a kegel staves it off for whatever reason i don't know why hmm. but you know try that shit i'll try it yeah I'll give it a shot I'll practice tonight. Um, what What's something that you tried once during sex and thought never again? That's another question from Reddit. Oh, never again. You did it and you're just like, what, that's not for me. Hey, I, I, no, I'm kidding. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> double pegging? <laughs> Single peggings for me. Yeah, I, double is way guys, too much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I found out, I, I finally realized that three from the back and two from the front is where I Just cut little, it off. A little bit too that much. That's where I stopped the pegging, yeah. Five on one is too much for me. That's a good question. Damn. Um, do you do you have an answer yourself? What's something I tried once during sex and thought never again? Um, I mean, because there's there's things that I've like done with different girls that I've worked out with one and where it went tragically with the other, and it's like it's also it just depends on how they take it and and how the situation's going. Um. I would never say again. tried once during sex and never again. Um, so something that comes to mind is taking too long of a break to make sure that the environment or scenery is right. I, in the past, there have been times where I I'm like, oh, like I have to have this playlist or I need to connect this speaker and we're in the moment and I should have just been like, fuck it. Like we're not going to have music yeah, this yeah. time or the lights <clears throat> won't be this color. And I, I get in my head where I think, oh, the last time we had this playing or the last time we had this light setting on or whatever it is or playing in the background. And, and so I think that has to be on every time. And so I've definitely paused and killed the vibe more like much longer than I should have been trying to fix something like connecting a speaker. And, and now I'd be like, what? Like if it takes me more than 30 seconds, I'm just like, fuck it. I, I feel like you know, everyone goes give through the that. best 30 seconds of our life. Exactly. I feel like everyone goes through that though, just to some degree, you know what I mean? Like we, we care too much about the, the situation or, or making it better than just worrying about actually getting in, getting in the, uh, mm-hmm. the actual business. Yeah, dude, I don't think I have an answer for that one, honestly. As as shitty and as lame as that is, unless one one might come to me later. No, that's not lame. Save it for we'll do round two. Perfect. Do round two and, and uh Perfect. um next time. Um so something I wanted to end off on, uh, if you're cool talking about it, is the story of you getting headbutted. Oh, okay. I don't know if I don't know I don't know if you have uh, any sort of legal things lingering that you are not allowed to talk about it publicly or something like that. But nope. I thought in the last you know ten fifteen minutes, because um, you definitely went through a unique experience that every guy goes through in their head. You get headbutted at a fucking bar, and you think like this is exactly what I fucking do, <laughs> and I just like put this guy in a motherfucking body bag and slap my cock on his face, and you know ship him to the morgue. So, so you, I'll, you got headbutted you want, at a bar. Yeah, you want me to I'll just, start it? I'll start it with that. I'll so, just yeah, just, just I'll just run through a a quick synopsis of the situation of what happens. Or, yeah, break it down. And I'll ask you questions about it. Cool. Yeah. If I if I have if I'm given too much or too little detail, just let me know. And I'll switch it up. Um, mm-hmm. so this was, uh, first, first or second weekend of August. It's me and three other buddies. We go out to the bars, um, pretty casual night. And I think we actually called it at like 1am to go back. Um, so relatively early for a night out at the bars. Right. And so I step outside with, with one of the, one of my buddies to get an Uber and we're like right in front of the bar. 
and we strike up conversation with these two girls right there who were also waiting for a ride. Weren't aggressively hitting on them whatsoever. It was, it was actually just, just like the most casual conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, just like they were in the vicinity and you were exactly. making polite conversation. Both ready to go our separate ways, go home. You know what I mean? Just kind of getting to know each other casually for mm-hmm. probably five or 10 minutes. My other two buddies are still inside. So it's me and my buddy talking to these two girls. And out of nowhere, this kid comes up. And one of the girls is like, oh, shit, it's my, um, it's my distant cousin. And we're like, to, to myself, I was like, damn, if, you know, th- that reaction that she just gave tells me that this kid is, you know, she obviously doesn't like him to, to some degree. But yeah, anyways, if someone has a negative reaction to a family member, yeah, you know, yeah. there's some past negative history there. Um, so he walks up to the group. So there's five of us now, me and my buddy and these two girls and the kid. And we're probably 30 seconds. I'm at the end of the conversation. It's like very small talk with him, which my buddy was probably leading. Actually, he was talking more, more so to the kid than I was at all. And then out of nowhere, um, this kid, this kid took a phone call from one of his friends and said, on the phone, he's like, yo, this kid's trying to get his ass beat. <laughs> and we're like, we're like, is he talking about one of us? Like, what? Like, no, at no point so, in the conversation that we just had with this kid would have ever led us to think that would have warranted that response for him from him on the phone. So, so this kid, this kid's on the phone. Just to, to clarify for people listening. So this kid is on the phone in front of you guys talking about you how you want to get your ass beat. And this is the the distant cousin Correct. that the girl was talking about. Correct. Yep. Yep. Thanks for the clarity. Um, so he hangs up and naturally my buddy starts tripping him because he's like, dude, what was that about? Yada, yada. It kind of escalates. I look at the kid who's, to, who's directly to my left. My buddy was to my right and they were arguing. So I was like in the middle, like kind of um, – not trying to separate them, but I was like, I look at the kid. I'm like, dude, stop. Like, we're about to leave. Like, can we just, what are we doing here? He looks at me and says, oh yeah. And then just headbutts me. And he was probably, you know, 12 to 18 inches from me, from my face before he did that. So I had absolutely no time to react or defend myself. Um, And it was just the most outlandish, unwarranted thing ever. Like I was, I was in shock for a good, like three to five seconds after it happened. Um, and this kid just happened so quick. I imagine he turns. You're you're trying to de-escalate the situation. We're about to leave. He looks you in the face. Says, "Oh yeah," and just like quick jerk back, head butts you in the face. Dude, insane. What was? What did you feel physically and mentally in the moment? That immediate thirty seconds after this dude made contact with your face. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty drunk, so my reflexes weren't the best, but still, like if I if I was sober, I would have never even had the chance to defend myself, right? Like I didn't even like realize it happened until after it happens. But I just remember essentially feeling like a bowling ball just smoked my nose. Um I look down and I'm Jesus. I'm gushing blood, right? My nose is split open. I look up and the kid's the kid's forehead was split open and gushing blood. So like that puts in perspective of the force that he used. Yeah, dude. If he if he got fucked up from the hit, then it had to have been a pretty hard smash. Dude, his forehead on my soft tissue nose just absolutely like crumbled, right? Jesus fucking Christ. Um 
So I've got like blood squirting all over me and cops, cops are, are there within 10 seconds because they sit in their cars like right out on the street because this kind of shit happens all the time there. Um, So I like didn't even have a chance to retaliate and I wanted to, dude. I was seeing red. Like I was so heated, obviously. Like I just got headbutted for no fucking reason trying to like de-escalate a situation and trying to go home. Um, But my buddies like held me back right after it happens and I was like also just pouring blood. So I was just like, what the hell? What, like, what the hell is going on? Um, I look up at the kid who's like, he didn't run away, but he was like, walk, like backing away. And one of my, mm-hmm. one of my buddies that was in the bar, um, we just see him come out and like Superman this kid like three or four times. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God. I turned to my, yeah. I turned to my buddy. I was like, yo, was that him? And we're like, yeah. It's like, so he had my back, dude. He saw it happen from inside, I guess. Came out and just threw three or four punches on this kid and then took off. We didn't see him again dude, until so like he, 7 a.m. He was Superman punch. He was legit like flying through the air, fists in front of feet at an angle, just laying into this kid. Yeah, and, and threw like three or four more after that up against the wall. And then he was gone, my buddy. Like So he, he did that and disappeared for six hours. We didn't hear from him for six hours after that. <laughs> Turns out he slept... He, he was Batman. Exactly. Yeah, he had to go back to his cave. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was just scared of like getting fucked over from the cops right there. So he literally just took off and slept on the sidewalk like two blocks away for about five hours. <laughs> um, yeah. Dude, fr- fr- friends, a good friend will throw a fucking Superman left hook and then sleep on the street. It was that, hype. That's how you know you have great friends. It was yeah. hype, yeah. Um, so anyways, like I said, cops were there within seconds. Um, they didn't, lo- they didn't cuff this kid because they didn't directly see it. Um, but I gave a statement right then and there. And then, um, about 20 minutes go by after talking to more cops and whatnot. And then, um, I was offered to get for medics to come like an, like an ambulance. And I was on, I was like, honestly, let me, let me go home and clean up first and figure out if I actually do need stitches. And also an ambulance would be so expensive. Like, I don't want to deal with that bullshit yeah. right now. Like, And, and also oh. every single girl that just saw this wants me to bring them home right dude, now. It so was, I think I'm going to go back to the bar. And dude, it was packed outside. Like it was, <laughs> there was probably like, a, yeah, you, you get in the ambulance, but you tell the guy in the back, you're like, do I have a plus five? Can I just bring like the closest five yeah, yeah, yeah. to the hospital with yeah. me? How much room we got in here? Yeah. Um, so that was it, dude. We decided to go back to my place and then the ER. So we came back to my place, like washed up. And then was in, was in the ER from like 3, 3 a.m. till 9 a.m. Four stitches, complete shattered nose showed up on the um, x-ray. And it was just, it was kind of a nightmare. Um, yeah, pretty wild though. Did, you know what I mean? Just a lot to didn't process. You, didn't you say he was trained to headbutt you? Like he was a Marine acting on training or something like that. Yeah. Like he was taught to headbutt people. He, he's a 23 year old Marine. Um, I found that out after the fact. And I have a buddy who was in the Navy. And so he was telling me, he was giving me like the inside scoop on, um, just how different branches are, are, um, treated among others and like how, how they're viewed and whatnot. And just little things here and there. And he was like, Marines are, are, you know, part of their training is to, to be able to use a headbutt when they feel like they're threatened or when they're not, um, 
in like a like an aggressor situation like if if they're what's the word i'm looking for I, i'm um like uh like a combat ag- no, aggressor when when they're when they're like <laughs> fight or flight something like that or when they're at a disadvantage let's just say that right okay um, when they're at a disadvantage they are taught to like headbutt and this kid this kid was probably like 5 10 maybe like 170 180 um i'm 62 200 my buddy's 64 240 so like it just made sense you know what i mean like he just turned and headbutted me and then walked away after that um yeah pretty crazy Dude, when you were telling me the story for the first time when you were in new york i i was thinking you know how the fuck one i was like dude i you're a beast because you got headbutted <laughs> and then went towards the that went towards the person who headbutted you. And in, in my head, I want to think that I'm the type of person who when they get hit or threatened will lean into the threat when there's no other option. If someone strikes me right. first and I, I don't have the option to walk or run away because the first option would be, you know, avoid conflict. I don't like I could slip and crack my head and it's two friends can go out of nowhere and like soccer kick me in the ribs. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, but the fact that you leaned into it and we're like, let's fucking go. Like you're the type of person who fight or flight you fight. And well, it's also savage. It was also a product of a situation. Like it was so outlandish and it made me so pissed off that I was like, buddy you just gave me the green flag to fucking kill you it went zero to a hundred that's literally what a headbutt is you could yeah. go from a casual like, conversation talking about something you did last weekend and then boom you just fucking rock someone in the head like i'm not i'm not one to like be confrontational or, or ever want to get in a fight but like i'm no, you're I, not, you're I, not I, at all yeah. i will be the first person to like stick up for myself and my friends and family and like that situation I dude, I have never, I've never been part of a situation like that where I was so heated from something that was so outlandish and wrong. I was like, dude, this kid. Um, no, I was, yeah, I was seeing red, dude. It was, it was crazy. But like I said, luckily, my buddy who was to my right literally like bear hugged me, and he's like, like I said, he's six four, like two forty. He just bear hugged me. He's like, Tyler, if you touch him, you don't have a case. Um, and that was that. So I, dude, I, how? Good for good for that dude for thinking legally at 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 the time of uh seeing pure red and wanting to go after that kid. I know. He uh he, he was he kind of saved the day in a way he did. for allowing you to have legal repercussions against this kid. Yeah, he definitely uh helped me see through that from a from a greater perspective. And I yeah, I went and pressed charges the next day. Um and everything was settled within five, five and a half days after that. So it was a relatively quick turnaround. I mean, that was my first time yeah. dealing with anything ever legal. So um, I feel it, but I feel like that was pretty, pretty damn quick of a process. Yeah. Dude, every guy, myself included, has that fantasy, that story that we tell ourselves, which we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast of how we would react when shit would go down. And I would imagine when it actually happens, because if you fantasize about that or think about that in your head, 
if I'm outside a bar and some dude socks me or some dude puts his hands on me, this is what I'm yeah, going to yeah. do. When you're actually confronted by it, you must have this kind of split second thing. Like, this is actually fucking happening right now. Oh. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, did, did it kind of feel like that? Where, 100%, where you're like, dude. this is like, this is this is fucking happening right I was, now. Like this is the shit that I was thinking. Dude, about. I just, I remember vividly screaming at him afterwards. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? It's like, are you fucking kidding me? And afterwards, after I gave statements and all that, like they had him, they had a few cops like surrounding him. They weren't re- like restraining him up against the wall, but they were ensuring that nothing else would happen with my friends and him. And he was alone too. Like that was, that's the most ridiculous thing. Um, but so we walk by before we head out and I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm coming for you. Like, you're so done. But yeah, what's, what's the classic saying of like, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? Mike Tyson. Yeah. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Yep. And that's, True. I've, yeah, I experienced that head on. Until you get fucking headbutted <laughs> in the face. Fucking took a bowling yeah, ball to the nose. <laughs> yeah. I, I was wondering after... We had this discussion and I, I was thinking about it the week after uh, you went back to D.C. as well. Like, what the fuck is the defense for a headbutt? Because that's something that could literally kill you. It could have come out of nowhere. It could and kill you. Yeah, <laughs> it, it could fucking shatter your nose into your brain or, yeah, dude, and, or give you head down. And I lucked out like it. It broke straight on. Right. And I didn't have to get any reconstructive surgery done. Like it just shattered into pieces and kind of reformed in place. But if he hit it from an angle at all, like my nose would have been. Oh, fucked. yeah. Would have, yeah. You would have fucking bit on a rag, shifted it back oh in my place, God. and then went after it. But him. dude, low key, low key uh, I, I do kind of fuck with the scar. You know what I mean? Kind of. I told you. I, I said, I. Until, because it, it was what, Sunday you told me and you got here Friday night. I did not even think about it until you mentioned it to me. I was like, oh shit, like there is a, there is a slight line on your nose. And then you show me the pictures and I was like, holy yeah. fuck. That was a, that, that was a batch <laughs> and a half. It was so bad. But, yeah. But I was just like, if, if you, if you're going to defend a headbutt, you have to almost be like chilling with your hand on your face expecting it if some dude comes up to you like ready to fucking like put your hand dude, i don't think you can your head yeah. or something it's like like how do you because it was almost fucking with me i was like anyone could headbutt you at any time and that comes from just talking to someone straight up so there, there's probably someone who put a video out there some someone who's uh much more proficient in martial arts where this is what you do when you're headbutting. But I'm thinking about it. I'm like, how the fuck do you, like you just trust that a dude in your face is not going to resort to headbutting you. Cause there's helpless, like that dude. classic situation where someone's yelling at you and like you're in a guy's face and he could decide just like fucking like yep. whip his head back and gash you between the eyes. Yep. And you did all you could. Yeah. yeah. That was a wild experience. And, and just having to go through the legal process too is, was a was an experience of its in itself too, you know. Yeah, dude. Well, I'm glad you're okay. I fucking love you. I I cannot wait until the the next time you're back in New York. I'll I'll be down in uh, Tyson's Corner this weekend, actually. So if if things align, we'll we'll meet oh, up yeah. and 
Yeah, dude. I, I'm. Thank you again for taking the time to hop on the podcast. I'm so glad we got the chance to talk about some of the shit that we talk about just normally on the phone or, oh, yeah. or in person. We could record fucking 100 podcasts on dating or sex or baseball or, or whatever. Like just, I feel like we always get in these intense- Dude, there have been um, countless- Philosophical yeah, discussions. Countless times where we're like, damn, this would have been some awesome content to put out there. So I-, I Dude, I- this was fucking awesome, yeah. and now we have one. So I definitely regret. I know, I know people will enjoy. This. I regret standing you up sixteen different times before I came on here. <laughs> um, but no, it's okay. I'm <laughs> I'm learning how to headbutt. So we'll 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 trade headbutts when I'm in Tyson's corner just to see Deal. like whose whose face will will break. Fucking first. so down. I'll definitely have to. We'll definitely have to run this back sometime soon. A hundred percent. I hope I gave you the, the podcasting bug in a way. Yeah, you're, you're a great guest and you articulate your thoughts very well. And you, uh, you we didn't, we didn't even get into baseball shit, which yeah. I, I had at the end, but I was like, let's, let's get into the headbutting story. We could do it another fucking five hours on baseball. Dude, you, so you, we can do that. You give us, you time. give us any topic. We could talk about it forever. hundred percent. And that's why we're homies, bro. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Peace. What's up, guys? Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Before you go, this is a reminder for you guys that I'm dropping bonus episodes on Auxoro Premium. For less than five bucks per month, you get a two-hour bonus episode every month of my show, The Ox, that covers exciting and sometimes twisted topics like MK Ultra, the COVID lab leak, Tim Dillon, Tom Cruise, the Tuskegee experiment, the obesity epidemic, and more. You also get monthly solo episodes with my takes on drugs, sex, money, creativity, mindfulness, and you have the ability to submit topic suggestions for both of my shows, The Ox and The Oxoro Podcast. Expect three hours of new exclusive podcast content per month, including access to all archived episodes found nowhere else but Oxoro Premium. For less than five bucks per month, come join the premium gang today at oxoro.supercast.com. That's oxoro.supercast.com for the best deal in premium podcasting. See you there.